Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear magazine's editor, joined as ever by him, Rowan Horncastle. Hello. Top Gear's head of content. And this episode, we're talking about EV pickup trucks, the slow, loud and banging scene in Houston. Not what you think it is. And the new Nissan Z or maybe Z, Nissan Z. um, I don't know. Z. Z. All right. Um, But before that, what's on your mind? Uh, Lots of things, but I've just got to get straight to the action. Uh, I've just come back from quite an incredible trip to Houston, Texas, oh. which is available in the latest issue of the magazine, mm-hmm. to get and dive into the underbelly of a scene that I've been wanting to do for many, many years, mm-hmm. the slab scene. Do you know much about the slab scene? Um, well, I do because I've, I've, I've seen your excellent feature in the magazine, but I have to say, before I read it, no. So I'll cast my mind back to that point. Um... I've seen uh, the the wheel style that characterises it and never really understood why. They just looked highly impractical to me, but clearly I wasn't delving deep enough. No, well, that's the thing. It is just a Houston-based car scene, which is amazing because the way that globalisation is going and that you can just adopt you know, certain aesthetics because, there's you know, everyone knows West Coast lowriders or East Coast donks and the Japanese car scene. But this is just a scene that is available in Houston. And as you say, Jack, it's characterised. They're kind of like a mix between a donk, a lowrider, but they have these incredible pokers coming out of the... Is that uh, the official name, pokers? For no, the they're swangers, Jack. Oh, swangers. Or elbows. Oh, uh, yes. And I had to learn quite a lot of vocab- vocabulary on this trip. Um, there is there is actually a handy vocab list in Top Gear magazine for everyone that's looking to up their up their slab knowledge next time they visit Houston. Or just you know, if you're in Hertfordshire, talking about scissorp, popping trunk, vogues, foul fouls. But scissorp, by the way, what's that one mean? Uh, that's just um, cough medicine with um, soda. It's not yeah, not did technically. You, did legal. you try it? No, no, I <laughs> didn't have a cough, thankfully. And I'm, yeah, I'm triple. We certainly didn't after a pint of scissor. No, no, exactly. No, the purple drank didn't make its way down my uh, throat. But uh, we went there. It was myself and Mark Riccioni, mm. and we landed, and we didn't actually have a single contact get back to us. But as soon as we touched down, our phone just went mad. And we went straight to Slab Sunday, which is kind of a gathering like I've never seen before. It's all the worst bits of like UK car culture in one street uh, <laughs> of absolute carnage to the point where there's the police sandwiching at both sides. And I said to them, are you not going to do anything about this? Hmm. And they just turned a blind eye. It yeah. turns out that uh, over 90% of Slab enthusiasts are felons, mm-hmm. and they also are quite heavily armed. Yeah. So the police don't get involved. So it's absolutely. So it's not carnage. so much a police-sanctioned event as the police turning a blind eye and just sort of hanging around the fringes to make sure no one kills anyone. But what is unique is that um, with your slab and your swangers, you go swang in, which is like it's kind of dawdle across all the lanes at slow speeds, but also they race each other to get in front of each other when you've got two foot pokers coming out of your wheels on each side it's honestly like i've never seen seen anything before it was incredible (laughs) it just sounds like so much fun and uh, what are the origins of this then they didn't suddenly one day decide to stick these wheels on where where did the scene 
pop out of? Well, it, it came from the early 80s, early 80s, because Cadillac um, on the El Dorado, they did in the 83 and 84, they did a subtler version of the original Elbow Swanger, which was a 30 spoke chrome rim where uh, the centre of the rim would poke out further than, uh, you know, where it normally would on a car yeah. and, you know, beyond the bodywork. So they looked cool, ultimately, but they were on expensive Cadillacs and they became, let's just say, hard to acquire. So... Was the nickname Dead Man's Wheels? Wheels, yes. Or did that yes, come later? That came later because they used to break, so it was known as clacking, more slang for you. Uh, but so uh, the, the Krager wheels, which they were, were discontinued. So you couldn't get hold of them. Uh, so people used to either rob you for them or steal them at night from more salubrious parts of the neighbourhood, and then they would go into a different part of the neighbourhood of it's Houston. Hard, it's hard to imagine in this day and age when you can get pretty much anything you want at any hour of the day from the internet. Just, you know, search it, click it, it's delivered to your house. The fact that you just couldn't get your hands on these things, they were so highly prized and sought after and so rare that, you know, people would go to these lengths. Yeah, just it's just insane. like there was the comparison to a new pair of Jordans or some limited Supreme drop. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Yeah. And there's some people in the world who wants things more than others, so they'll go to extreme lengths to do it. And that was the case back in the 80s. Yeah, and these days, though, you can get them in all sorts and shapes and sizes, including XXXL. XXXXL, <laughs> yeah. Texas Wire Wheels in the early 2000s started remanufacturing them, which kind of democratised the, uh, the the whole scene and actually brought a lot of the violence that was... Uh, you know, was present in the 80s, yeah. but Houston was a different place there. Um, but it, honestly, even on Slab Sunday, it looks, um, you know, quite dangerous. And also some places you wouldn't really look at. They were the loveliest people in the world. And they were just so happy for us to come and see their scene. So we spent four days uh, dipping in and dipping out with other people, speaking to local rappers, people from different slab lines, which is yeah. the, the groupings that they all get into, and just getting across it and it was amazing it, it shows the power of cars that they don't care what other people's looks like if they put a lot of effort and money into it they respect it regardless and, of what and it you looks met, like you met the OG met slab a few OGs King. is that well, the same thing they are the Slab King is like the, uh, the, the pinnacle it, highly debated topic there are a, a few people in the running for it, but um, we met Haircut Steve. Haircut Steve is a bit of a legend within the hood. He used to uh, do the haircuts for DJ Screw, which is one of the you know, most famous DJs out of Houston, defined a whole music culture, which they still you know, follow today. And uh, yeah, so you know, the cars are like nothing else I've seen before. The people like nothing else. They're so passionate and where everything is done, you know, for Instagram likes nowadays or clout, this is for respect, but, you know, in car form uh, within, you know, a, a small city. So everyone knows everyone. And um, the fact it hasn't reached out to other places is quite remarkable. But I don't know, maybe after this story, we'll start seeing it in Stevenage. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Hopefully we do, because, uh, you know, that would be. Quite a thing to see, although width restrictors Which around my way. Definitely not uh, getting through a six London, foot six. Definitely not, not getting through a six foot six. Yeah. Um, and I, I just have to say there was this beautiful moment. You, you la I don't know if it was your first night or second night, but you were in the process of being embraced into the bosom of this scene and they took you down to Turkey Turkey Hut or Turkey Leg Hut. Turkey Leg Hut, yeah. Uh, passed the phone to you and Rick Ross was on the end of it. Yeah, uh, there's a man called Lynn Price who's the co-founder of uh, Turkey Leg Hut who appears to be the most... <laughs> Uh, the operator for anything to do with the music, basketball, or a general 
pop culture scene. I think they're called uh, a man with a finger in lots of pies. Elliot, he's an enabler because regardless of who he spoke to, they would pick up FaceTime straight away, including being on stage at a concert. So <laughs> there's myself there and Mark and, and other people. But he's like, you got to speak to Rick Ross. I'm a fan of Rick Ross's music. And then, lo and behold, yes, he's just on FaceTime with us. And yeah. Rick Ross is actually followed up because I'm planning on doing a feature with Rick Ross. Massive car fan. Only got his driving license in his early 40s and now has 400 cars, apparently. I think is it, it, it him that all his cars are black? No. That, no that's, that's, how, how dare you, Jack? That's Slim <sighs> Thug. That's my other friend now. Sorry, Slim. Yeah, so Slim Thug had the most incredible menacing car collection in Houston. Black on black with huge wheels possible, but, you know, Monte Carlos, Navigators, all the typical um, old school hip hop cars. But uh, yeah, stay tuned because uh, Rick Ross could be coming to Top Gear for a collaboration like you've never seen before. Well, there's a collab you didn't see coming. Maybe we'll try and get him on the podcast. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. But you you were in a similar part of the world uh, I was recently. actually, yeah, yeah. A few weeks after you, I was also in Texas, slightly different part, um, down in San Antonio for the launch of the Ford F-150 Lightning, which you may think, uh, why do I care? They only sell uh, the F-Series trucks in America and, and Canada. But, you know, this is the F-150. This is the best-selling truck in America for the last 45 years. Mm. There's all sorts of bananas statistics about it, how often they sell one every, you know, 30, 40 seconds or something. But it's like, it's you know, it's the heartland of America. These are the cars that Americans, real Americans, drive. Um, and so doing an electric version of that is kind of a big deal. Yeah, because if all of those sold were electric, it would make a big dent into oh, the, you know, yeah. electric revolution. In, in a good year, they sell nearly a million F-Series trucks and it makes $40 billion in revenue. So, obviously, they're not just abandoning petrol and diesel trucks, but they're introducing this electric version. Um, it's gone nuts. They've got like 200,000 orders for it. But I wanted to... Not just drive the car and report back on what it was like to drive. I can tell you about that if you like, or you can read the article or watch the video. But really, I wanted to take it out to Americans and, and to see what they thought and to see whether they felt ready for an electric truck. And it was fascinating. So we went to this place called uh, Cleburne, which is just outside Dallas. So we, we picked up the car in San Antonio, picked up uh, photographer uh, Greg Pajo in Austin, met up with Charlie Rose, videographer, also in Austin, and then went up to Cleburne, just outside Dallas, to a thing called the American Patriot Music and Truck Festival, which, <laughs> which I found online. Um, not an enormous event, I'll be honest, a couple of hundred people. I, yeah, I've got an image in my head of what this could look like. Uh... It, it wasn't Glastonbury. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, a few hundred people enjoying some cold beers in the hot sunshine, some live music and a few old trucks and stuff. And we, we rolled up. I warned them we were coming, um, at which point they then put us on the flyer for the entire event. Perfect marketing. Everyone loves a yeah. bit of marketing. Um, I, found a, uh, I found a group on Facebook actually saying... Uh, Y'all have got to come down to the... Uh, <laughs> nice accent there, Jack. Yeah, yeah. You've got to come down to the festival at the weekend. Motor Trend are bringing in electric trucks. So, uh, you know, I thought, well, at least oh, they, no. uh, you know, they've confused us with Motor Trend there. But I set the record straight when I got there. Top Gear was in town. And, uh, yeah, it was just gathering opinion, really. And it was... Wait, so hold on. Who goes to the Cleburne... Or was it Patriot Festival? Patriots. Sounds like something you'd see in a scene of Borat, but go on. <laughs> like, what's there? Did you take your mankini? It was a bit Borat. But look, I was I was very clear. I wasn't there to 
I wasn't there to judge anyone. I wasn't there to take the mickey. I wasn't there to like put answers in people's mouths. I genuinely just wanted to turn up um, and show these people who, you know, small town America, these, these are going to be the last people to, to cotton on to electric cars, probably. And if, if this truck could win they, these people over, then Ford's onto a winner. That was, that was the basic idea. Expecting everyone to hate it. And actually, I think it was a bit of a success because half the people were really into it. You know, we had these two guys, they come up, they're in these um, uh, leather waistcoats, turned up on their Harleys and this big, like, biker gang. I was like, uh, they're going to be the last people in the world who want an EV. They were really into it. Really? They're really into it. And the thing is, there's there's lots of things about this truck that kind of can win people over. There's lots of tricks, gadgets and gizmos and stunts that you can do. So it's got a mega, mega power frunk. Have you heard that? No, I never. Well, you don't have an engine under the bonnet, so the whole thing lifts up oh. electrically and you've got a big boot under there. What's it, This seems a bit like a, a American adjectives that work best here. What's the mega power bit? I know what a frunk is. It, Where's the mega power come from? The mega from? power comes from the fact that you can blip the key fob and ah. it does it up and down automatically. Mega power, yeah. Mega power frunk. Uh, so that went down super well. And then you sort of, and then you start showing them all the plugs. So it's got 11 plug sockets. It's basically a massive power brick on wheels. So you can plug in anything you want. Dishwashers. We went camping and we plugged in electric barbecue, a projector, uh, a fridge, fairy lights. I bet that sucks some power, didn't it? No. This is the thing. They were plugged in for, we had all that lot in for three or four hours and it probably took 2% of the battery. Right. It makes you realise how much energy it requires to move a three-tonne truck down the road. More than your projector. More than my projector or my fairy lights. But yeah. the, so what was the split between, you know, the American, well, the small audience that you had at the Patriot Festival? Yeah. But did people get on board with it or hate yeah. it? What yeah, was yeah, the yeah. general I'd say split? about 50-50. There was a couple, there was, there was one lady who was very upset, didn't like electric cars, was convinced that Biden was pushing everyone into them and then basically... At the moment she said the word Biden sort of spiraled off into some rant about um, politics. Let's leave politics aside. Yeah. We're, not, we're not here for that. Exactly. So, um, uh, you know, other people uh, really... Gas prices or petrol prices are spiralling in the US like they are here. So, you know, when I said, oh, $20 to top it up for a 300 miles range, they love that because this guy drives an F350 Super Duty. It's 125 bucks for half a tank to go you know, a couple of hundred miles. So he was like, on price alone, he was in. He loved the idea. Yeah, but in Texas, there's Bucky's, you know, the service station. We did go to Bucky's. If you don't know about Bucky's, Google it. And they literally have hundreds of pumps there to yeah. refuel. By the way, it's a really bad bit. It's super cool to see. You know, Texas is like the oil state. And seeing this super-sized petrol station was amazing. But it's such a bad... Because you're basically queuing up to get anywhere near it. There's just too many cars coming in and out of these hundreds of petrol pumps, and it was just... Yeah, but then you go into the shop. Uh, Do you go yeah. to the bathrooms? I, I did go to the bathroom. That's an, that's an, Ameri that's an American phrase, there. the toilet. They're incredibly clean. <laughs> yeah. But then you get your brisket, then you get all the other, yeah. your, your giant pack of chips. Anyway, but you, the, the point I'm trying to make is uh, away from this is that you can fuel easily. Mm. Can you charge your f-150 up easily between dallas austin houston all these uh big cities is it possible is the infrastructure there because that's what we're struggling with on this side of the uh the atlantic uh that is a negative row and uh, uh. there are not many charging points what we found was the, that walmarts are dotted around everywhere and walmarts tend to have 350 kilowatt electrify america chargers there so we 
Um, and always my tip if you're covering any distance in electric cars is just go where you know there are fast, reliable chargers. Don't take risks on like, you know, uh, charging points in the middle of nowhere because if that's not working, you're stranded. So we stuck. We found a Walmart that had fast chargers and we went there on the way up and there on the way back and we were fine. But no, they're not everywhere. All right. Let's wrap it up quickly. F-150. Is it going to be the revolutionary electric truck America wants or not? I think it is. I think if you get your head around the range, so it's 300 miles, uh, 320 miles with the big battery, uh, 250, 270 miles real world range. If you've got charging at home and you've got charging at work and you can get your head around that range, then yes, it's a better truck. It's better to drive. It's got more features. But if you're someone that drives 500 miles a day, you know, whoever that person is or it's not going to work, but it's the same problem with any electric car. If you compare it to a a, a combustion F-150, it's a better car. Mm. And plus with the likes of Rivian, et cetera, yeah. you've got to think America's going to trust Ford slightly than a startup because yeah. if Ford are doing it, they, they, they yeah, have but, to... Yeah, but it's, it's not just Ford, is it? So uh, the Hummer, Hummer's even... I mean, the Hummer's a $100,000 plus um, vehicle. Uh, the Rivian, of course, the Chevy Silverado's That's coming, coming out. Yeah. And of course, uh, the Tesla Cybertruck, if that ever makes it. Well, yeah. Let's, let's park that debate park for another there. day. Well, <laughs> I think it's time to fire up the horrorcopter, though. Something that is real and very much here. And um, let's test his brain in some way for 60 seconds, don't you think, Jack? That's right. So this is the bit where we get uh, Top Gear's resident brain box, Paul Horrell, OG of the car journalism scene. Um, we give him 60 seconds, yeah, on a really complicated topic that we haven't told him in advance and see what happens. I'd love to drop Horrell into the slab scene. But anyway, that's for, that's for the, the sequel. Anyway, over to Paul. Hello, Paul. How are you? Hello. I'm fine. Thank you. Still nervous, as I am every week. Yeah, always nervous. That's how we like you. Uh, may I just say you're wearing a spectacular top. What's that about? Uh, it's because I need to go on a bicycle ride. It's a bicycle top. Uh, and can people, it, yeah, it, this is a podcast so nobody can see me. It's a bicycle top, which is a printed version of the London A to Z or a couple of pages from the London A to Z, which younger listeners will not know about. But those of us of my age always had a very well-thumbed copy of the London A to Z in our cars because it was like it was like google maps in paperback format and now and it's it, on your chest yes but we're chest. not here to give to do the knowledge because you've literally got it written in front of you and on you you're wearing it um this week we are talking about finance acronyms so paul horrell you have mm. 60 seconds to tell us the difference between pcp pch and TCP. Time Go. starts now. TCP is trichlorophenol. It's uh, something you gargle with. Now, I should also mention, is it the IFA, the something financial authority by which or to whom I'm not accredited and by which I am not regulated? You must not take anything I say and act on it without taking further independent uh, and accredited advice. Uh, okay, PCP. Um you pay some of the price of the car up front. You pay a considerably larger portion of the car um, three years later. And then the bit in the middle, you divide up into, say, 36 installments, so it's a three-year deal. Okay. 
um, and then you add a bit of interest onto that. So what you're doing is every month you're paying for halfway through um, a small, uh, a, a, a relatively small portion of the value of the car, and at the end, as I say, you can either you, you you still owe a lot of the value of the car, roughly equal to the value of the car at three years old. Um, now, what most people do is actually not then pay that final instalment, but uh, buy another car and then carry on paying the, the monthly instalments on that. Um, so it just it's just the industry's way of getting people into new cars more cheaply. Um, so people buy more cars. What was the other thing? Oh, PCH. Ah, that's your time up anyway. Paul. Yeah, you're oh. not going to get onto that anyway. Uh, but you did get the red herring and the, T- the, the TCP. Yeah, is it trichlorophenol? I think it is. I'm not sure you gargle with it. It's. I think it's um, uh, antiseptic. Well, I seem to remember if you fell no, over you in the playground it. and grazed your knee, it yeah, that. would like slosh TCP in it. Yeah, all of that. But if you've got a sore throat, you can dilute it and gargle with it. But can I also say, <laughs> I have medical no medical, medical yeah. qualifications. Do not gargle with TCP until you've sought further independent qualified advice. Great. There these, you go. Our own disclaimers are fantastic. No, but anyway, yeah. yes. I should talk more quickly, shouldn't I, when I'm doing the disclaimers? <laughs> well, PCP, yeah, like you say, finance to a lot of, to, to most people every day. What a lot of people are buying cars with nowadays, rather than cold hard cash. Um, uh, yeah. Nobody. Ninety-four percent of new cars are bought on finance, not oh, on. And eighty-three percent of statistics are made up on the spot. But, um, but I believe oh. you, Paul, because you're Paul Hall. But because you have been a good boy and you are wearing your favourite uh, Velo jersey you've been away uh, well you've been away driving the GR86 but we're not going to talk to you about that either you've just had to conduct the toughest triple tests I think we've had in many many years with mid-engine sports cars tell us a bit of that you've got two minutes two minutes to tell us about your verdict or about the Alpine A110 the Cayman uh, 4 litre no, I've got that wrong. Have no, I? you have. Four, no, yeah, four 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 yeah. And the Amira. Yeah. Okay, so the Cayman real manual transmission, real flat six gearbox, the Cayman we always wanted. And sure enough, it's brilliant. Uh, brilliant in, in so many respects. So that kind of sets the benchmark. Um, the, uh, the Lotus uh, is also really quite usable. Um, there's a bit more kind of road noise and, and clang through the aluminium structure but basically it is very usable and my word at times it's absolutely transcendent to drive um so you know it's it's what we would hope for from a lotus however interestingly the one they gave us was called the touring specification i supposed to be a little bit soft there's also a sports specification with more grip and firmer suspension and if you told me the one i was in was the sport i'd have believed you in other words it's actually quite it rides quite firmly it's got masses of grip but it's 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 almost a bit much for the road. And the reason I say that is that we also have the Alpine A110, which is just transcendently um, engaging and communicative, a bit of a road tester's term there, at um, kind of more normal road speeds. And so that's the one I actually fell in love with. Um, and I, 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 I'm with you. We, we, we had a little debate um, earlier, which one... Um, we go for and uh, yeah, I, I think I'm with you on the Alpine. It's uh, uh, it's not perfect, is it? The gearbox isn't great. The engine's not particularly special. But well, the you know, just... no, the engine is a bit of a hairdryer, I guess. But it's you know, it's not there's not a load of there's not a load of um, lag or any of that stuff. And the, and the, you know, the transmission is fine. I mean, you know, it's just a DCT, but it's a perfectly good one. Um, and yeah, I'd like a manual if I was tooling around on the road. But it it surprised me by not being a deal breaker. The rest yeah. of the car was just so lovely. And, you know, the Lotus does look spectacular, absolutely spectacular. It looks like a supercar. 
Um, the Porsche is a bit familiar, of course, and a bit and a bit reserved, beautiful, but kind of reserved. Um, but the Lotus is, you know, is a really, really lovely piece of design, but it's quite big. Some of its presence comes from the fact it's quite big. And, the, you know, I just love the kind of smallness, neatness um, and uh, intimacy of the Alpine. Well, slightly over two minutes, but I couldn't stop you there. You were <laughs> well, you interrupted flow. me. That was great. Well, that, that's, that's absolutely fine. But um, actually, it wasn't too bad. Two minutes, 28 seconds yeah. uh, for a full three-car road test. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> but uh, Paul, Paul's got to get on his bicycle to yeah, uh, yeah. We don't rid the launch back, porch, burn some, burn, burn some calories. Get out on that carbon fibre yeah. horse. I know. Yes. Readers, readers need to know that we, uh, our verdicts on cars are in no way influenced by the lavishness of the catering on international <laughs> car launches. Okay? We yeah. are incorruptible. But your belly is corruptible by the, <laughs> My belly the vast amount. turns out to be highly corruptible. <laughs> yes, anyway. They anyway. always send out a little questionnaire before you go and saying dietary requirements, and I say none beyond unseemly greed. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. A horalism to end the horalcopter. Put him down to land. We'll see you next month, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Cheers, As always, Paul. bye. Oh, that's a tight call, isn't it? Which one would you have out of the three? I, I'm still going for the Amira. It looks amazing, but also that manual gearbox and engine is a bit of me. You? I think I'd go with Paul on the Alpine, actually. I don't know. There's something special about it that just... It's got some magic in its anyway, This, this debate is going to rage and rage and rage. And I, think uh, if you, I think if you asked the entire Top Gear office, you would get a clean split, third, 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 of who wants which car. Yeah, it's that kind of test, and I think that's great. I think you know they're all great cars, so we'll have to see. Anyway, all right. what, what should we do now? Let's have a look at the magazine yeah. because we have. There's loads of other stuff going on. Um, what a cracking issue! There's it, such it, diversity it, in this as well. I mean, every issue is stand out, brilliant, of course, but this one is just all killer, no filler. Um, TV preview. Yep, the Telly Boys are back. Telly Boys are back on your screens every Sunday, so we've got a full seven-page preview with all the uh, features and power tests and everything they've been up to, so make sure you check that out. This is the M4 CSL? Yeah. Like it? Nope. Okay. Uh, well, no, it, I don't, it, it's, it's this, I don't dislike it. No, I, you know, I, I've very lucky just given back the M3 that we've been running for a long time, and I love that thing. I was just... Ex- I just wanted something a bit different from this CSL. I wanted it to be a bit like the original E46. Uh, well, look, the, the, the car they've given to everyone to, to photograph, uh, silver with all these red highlights on it, it does look a little bit rip speed. Well, I was just um, a bit confused with the GTS badging. This feels a bit more GTS than a Well, GTS CSL. is supposed to be more track-focused. This is more road-focused but lightweight. Look, it comes with a Nürburgring time. I don't, I don't want it to come with a Nürburgring time. I want it to be a great... Uh, road car or an exercise in lightweight yeah. is what I would do with this well, the way I'm thinking about it is recent form M2 CS M5 CS both cracking cars uh, you know they're on strong form in that department let's just park the way it looks as we have to do with all modern BMWs at the moment hopefully it's going to be amazing to drive but we'll find out soon well, we will months. find out soon. A couple of months. Um, what else? Uh, Paul Hole's been driving around in a Citroen DS electric conversion. Ollie Marriage, what's he been doing? He's been that. He's been around the Dakar a lot, hasn't he? But he's finally got behind the wheel another electric car. Very <laughs> different, though. Uh, the Audi's um, RSQ e-tron Dakar car. 
taking it to a small town, yeah. uh, but also um, a big off-road facility yeah. and test track to give it the beans and see what it's really like. And he was blown away by that. But there is one car that we've left off, which is the cover star. Yeah. Uh, so that's the Nissan Z. Uh, so obviously, Z. Or is it Z? Yeah, anyway. Z. Well, what, why are we even debating this? Let's get the man who actually flew out to America, to Vegas, to go and drive the Nissan Z slash Z. Um, Tom Wookie Ford. See what he has to say. All right, over to work. Right, work. First things first. Is it Z or Z? It depends where you are in the world. If you're American, it's a Nissan Z, and if you're in the UK, it's still a Nissan Z. <laughs> I'm in Japan. Not... What is it? I'm not going to do that. That could get me into <laughs> no, a that's draw. a trick question. No it's Japanese accents. Right. It's yeah. still a Z. It's a Nissan Z. Is it a um, Z? I know it is a Z. They call it a Z. I go with the people that made it, and they made it, and they call it a yeah, Z. But surely that's just because you went to the launch of that car in America, so everyone was saying Z. So the people that... ZZ Top doesn't work. We're <laughs> going to call it a Z, because otherwise... I got into quite a lot of trouble over this, because Z's not got great connotations at the moment. Yes. I was a bit sad about that. I did see you... didn't you... paint it on the side of it, did you? No, not in the yellow paint. I did see you getting, uh, yeah, a little bit vilified on on social media, um, but uh, uh, all, well, all, all very the problem on your for part. the Nissan marketing department is that Z cars have been around for fifty three years. Yeah, so you know that is a hell of a lot of stuff. But have you ta- have you actually talked about this on the podcast about why we went out? There? No, 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 there's no, nothing. No. So let's go in. So. Tom, you've been... I've never called you Tom in my life. Don't know why I did that. But uh, what, <laughs> you, Very formal, Rowan. Yeah. You yeah. flew to oh. America to drive a new sports car. What is it and what did you do? Uh, this is, as usual, it's a little bit convoluted, but it was the new Nissan Z, Z, whichever one you want to do, which we are not going to get in Europe, unfortunately, which we'll just talk about in a minute. But basically, there's going to be a new Formula One Grand Prix next year, and it's going to be in Las Vegas. That sounds like a really good idea, doesn't it? Yes, everyone. Yes, it does. Sounds like a really good idea. Um, But it's not the first time that Vegas has had a Grand Prix because they had one in the early 80s and they held it in the car park of the Caesars Palace Hotel Complex. It was a bit rubbish. It really was in the car park. And um, it was widely regarded as the worst Grand Prix ever. Uh, And everybody hated it. The drivers hated it. It was hot. It was weird. It was in a car park. Um, but the title sponsor was Nissan Datsun, and the oh. pace car was a 240Z. So it had lights and stri- like proper like it had late seventies stripes, and you know how I like late seventies. Yeah, and we managed to dig 80s. out a, a wonderful archive image of the of the pace car on the start finish straight yeah. that's in the feature in the magazine. So uh, that's worth the cover price alone. Well, the interesting thing was I, I found that image on the world of the internet and then, then said to the art department, can you find that for real? And they rang Las Vegas, like Las Vegas has a phone number. <laughs> Hello, Las Vegas, Nevada? <laughs> Is this Las Vegas 001? And they they rang Las Vegas and got Las Vegas, uh, the, they have like a touristy board thing and they got them to find the picture. So it's got the Nissan Datsun signage on the Vegas Grand Prix and this 240Z with lights and stripes that's the pace car. So we got the latest generation of Z car and ran the new layout of the the new 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix in the kind of modern version of the pace car. Uh, But obviously, 
Jack didn't tell me at the time that it was the the NFL draft in Vegas. You you assume the that- very days we were there. You assume that Jack even knows what an NFL draft is, but it sounds Jack like a big deal. It was, oh my goodness. It's like all of the circuses getting together at once in one town. Yeah. And they just randomly were shutting streets. There were parades. There was lots of really tall, muscular men. Yeah. Um, not did, that, and you know, I usually like all that sort of stuff, but it was really complicated. Did you get drafted and by accident? Me? No, yeah. I'm nowhere near big enough for them. But it was like driving around at night hadn't slept due to the unique way that the bbc is funded i was flown economy both ways uh i landed did a did a night shoot did a day shoot and did a night shoot and then got back on a plane not much sleep we didn't sleep and it was so much fun but at one point i did i got stuck in traffic for like two hours i mean stopped in on the strip and um i fell asleep because the car wasn't moving and then woke up and i was on a crossroads in Vegas, and there was nothing in front of me, and just people beeping behind me. And I've never been so confused <laughs> in my entire life. I mean, imagine it was like waking up in the hangover. But what is really the, weird? I, I I I hope that you didn't just sleep in the car, but you also drove it as well. What what is the new Z oh, car like? Because it, it or, or, well, Beautiful. yeah, exactly. Beautiful. But what is uh, it like? Manual gearbox and actual engine to play with. Yeah, it's oh, like it's so good. It's like the dream Top Gear spec, isn't it? All these things that we rabbit on about being important. And that's the problem. I don't know whether it was because I wanted it to be good and it and it is good. So basically, you know, a GTR is like super hardcore, super. You have to concentrate loads. This is a four hundred horsepower twin turbo V six petrol. Rear-wheel drive, you can have it either with a nine-speed auto with paddles, which is like a no-cost option, or a six-speed manual with an Exidy competition clutch. That comes just as it is, and it's got a limited slip diff. So it's got all these ingredients of making quite a quick, you know, it's quick, but it's not scary. Yeah. And actually, when you're driving around, it's it oversteers, but it doesn't want to take your head off. So it's all of those things that make it, when you brake, it tips forward a bit. And then if you turn in on the brakes, it'll start to oversteer and it'll understeer. And it does all of those things that are really quite sporty, but it's never trying to like attack, attack, attack. It's a really friendly little sports GT. The only thing I would say is it was set up slightly for America because it's only going to be sold in America, Canada. So it was a little bit soft. If it was over here, it'd feel quite, you know, squidgy. Mm. But it was just one of those cars that ju- it just made you drive it. It made you feel like you were having an effect on what happens. You know, yeah. Rowan, you had a GTR, didn't you? I did. Well, I borrowed one. Yes. Yeah. And I had, when they came out, I had a couple of long-termers. And when you're going super, super quick, you have to concentrate. And you're only getting into the fun bit of driving when they're going super quick. The four, the the Z, which I kept calling the four hundred because I thought it was three seventy four hundred because it's got four hundred horsepower. It, they it's did, just called I feel the like Z they now. did call it the four hundred Z to begin with, oh, and then the four hundred just yeah. disappeared. I don't know what it's four hundred brake horsepower. Yeah, but it, they just called it the Z now, okay. and it was so friendly and fun and sports cary. And you know that's what I think a sports car is. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And Rather a, than it being a supercar, because four hundred ha- horsepower still sounds like a lot 
to yeah. me for that size car. It is like with, with old Japanese <laughs> car with yeah, with like three hundred tops. Four hundred is a lot for a tiny thing like that. Totally, and this is going to make us very upset. I anticipate. But what is the price in dollars? So it starts at early forties, thousand dollars. So it's about thirty-three grand. It would be. So 400 horsepower, rear-wheel drive, manual gearbox, proper, you know, it'll take abuse, and it would be the cost of what? A, 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 golf a GTI. mildly hot golf. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah exactly. Less than a, I mean, loads less than a Golf R that starts at, what's Golf R? 40. Yeah. Should, we, should we have it here? Like, would it work here? Should we start the campaign, and why aren't they bringing it here? Well, it, it would work here. I mean, it feels like Nissan left some headroom in it to make it how we'd have it. If you know what I mean, we'd yeah. have it a bit louder, slightly different damping, but that's really about it. The problem with it is it's a three liter twin turbo V6 petrol. And it was doing, I mean, I was getting 20 when I was cruising down the freeway. So when I was kicking it around a little bit on the back roads, probably about 13 or 14 MPG. And I just don't think they could get it through any kind of efficiency tests. It just it yeah. just wouldn't do it, and also with the cost of fuel at the moment, I mean, you'd go to Hunstanton forty miles away and have to remortgage your house. <laughs> Tuners are going to go bananas with it, aren't they? In America, it's so tunable. I mean, that's that's a six hundred and fifty horsepower car all day, just with exhaust and turbo tweaks and a remap. But I don't think you'd need it. That's that's kind of my point. It's really nice at four hundred horsepower. As soon as it got any more scary, it wouldn't be so enjoyable. Yeah, and do you know what I really liked? I was uh, reading your article about how the interior, so the 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 plastics and the layout, and the interior really is nothing special. They haven't overspent, yeah. but I quite like that. It on certain well. occasions, you go, "That's great," because they've spent their money on the engine yeah. and the powertrain and all the stuff that matters. It's a bit like um, uh, GT eighty six. You know, when that first yeah. came out, the the interior was just you know hard, scratchy plastics, but it was great to drive. And do you know and what? It, re- it reminds me of like this. It's like if the GTA 6 is Clark Kent, the Z is Superman. Right. So it's like the bigger, badder, older brother of that car. But you know all those things that make the GTA 6 or what's it called now? A GR. GR86, yeah. All the things that make that good, the fact it's accessible and it's fun without doing 200 miles an hour, that's the same for the Nissan. Yeah. But I just, I really, it was one of those features that you write and you sit down and honestly, it just fell out of my head onto the page. I wrote <laughs> it. I wrote two, 3,000 words in three hours. And, by the way, everyone should know. I had Wook, to edit it. By the way, everyone should know, Wook does have a, a sort of annoying uh, aptitude for writing quickly as well. As I sit there staring at a blank screen going, why can't I write this feature? And Wook's oh, like, it's all oh, ruinous. I've written it's the next. It's all the same word. I uh, know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I, um, I love writing and it's yeah. like that one was a pleasure to do because there was all this stuff there was like a bit of history and then there was a, a new place to be and there was a new car as well and I would I would quite happily given you three and a half thousand words on that but you only gave me a few pages so yeah, I was yeah. kind of sat there going 12 ah. pages uh, 12 10 12 10 and a cover it's and a cover of the magazine it's look, it's a wonderful story um, you probably haven't even seen the cover treatment yet work it's no, very I did get colourful. A, I did get a flick of it. It's Do you know very... how we shot the cover? Oh no, have we got, have we got time for this one? It's really funny. Yeah. So we, the cover is a shot of, of the the Nissan, and we didn't know it was going to get on the cover. We were told it was only going to go on the cover if we did it well enough. <laughs> and then the art department said, "Can you go to Vegas and find somewhere without any just no extra light. lighting, just ambient light?" And we were like, "No." 
It's Vegas. <laughs> it's this lights everywhere. So we went into an underground car park. No, because it's strip lights, so there's really big hot spots. So I convinced the Aria Hotel to let us onto their roof with the car, and it was above the Vegas neon. So that's how we actually shot that car. It's on the roof of the Aria in Vegas above the neon to try and get some ambient light. Yeah, and then I don't think you have seen the cover no, because you then they cut it out, so you won't no, even see that. They? No, the car is <laughs> that shot. That shot will be in the feature. The car is actually on an illustrated background, um, but in order to get that car, the lighting perfect on that car, you can't have, as you say, any yeah, hot spots. Loads of ambient so light. you'll see that the 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 Z, the Nissan Z front and center looks. Absolutely crisp. And hats off to photographer Dave Burnett, who did an amazing job. Yeah, Poppy Knuckles, he's one of my favourites. You know, know he's it. a jazz musician. He's a jazz drummer. Yeah. And um, he, I, I adore him. He's so creative in all sorts of different ways. He's much better than uh, people like Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Wookie, on that it's time to go. All right. But anyway, work. it's a fantastic Is that it? Yeah, Well, yeah. Let's do some more. No, no, that's no, it. But everyone done. else can uh, pick up the magazine. It is the cover feature uh, in the latest issue. And it's a car I kind of wish was coming to the UK. Yeah, but me, deeply, deeply. And if you ask Work nicely, maybe he'll give you the extra 1,500 words we couldn't squeeze in. Oh, no, that's still just swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Great cheers, speech, Wookie. All right, cheers, guys. Bye. All right then, Roche, should we have a little bit of a quiz to finish up with? Yeah, let's kind of tease the brain to end the day. Yes, so this is our top nine quiz for which we will need uh, Quizzy Rascal himself, Ollie Q, resident Stato, um, who writes these top nines just to recap for the website, for the magazine. Um, We have to guess which... Uh, cars or things or objects or whatever he's put into his list and he will be marking us down on his piece of paper. Hello, Ollie. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Thanks for having me. And I'm already terrified about this edition's top nine because there are many, many more examples of what we're going to talk about than there are, well, than the number nine. So this is going to be controversial, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a hole in our format, isn't it? That there you, you can have a correct answer that's just not in your list. Yeah, so I'm therefore prepared. you don't get a point. I'm glad I won't be able to hear the listeners shouting the answers at the speakers. Was it top nine red cars? It's, it's not, <laughs> but it's, it's something that's almost as, as dear to us. It is, there's certain pieces of bodywork that people who love cars love to fetishise. Big wings, big diffusers, blistered wheel arches. I'm asking for the top nine most outrageous big wheel arches on a normal car. Okay. Right, I've got a feeling this Rowan might be quite close to your specialist subject. Oh, uh, nearly. Rowan likes a wide body. He does like a wide body, but that's enough about... Anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> right, who wants to go first? I've got a feeling you go first most weeks. So yes, I'll let you go first. Uh, uh, Jack, you going to kick us off? Uh, yeah, I'm going to kick you off. Um, so the first thing that leaps to mind is uh, Black Series Mercedes. I mean, I feel like there are several we could choose. A rich um, seam. Yeah, so there was the, there was the CLK Black... Um, but I actually think it was the SL65 black that had the silliest arches of them. Let me scroll down my list and find at number three, the SL65 is a correct answer. Yeah, the 650 horsepower by turbo V12. Yeah, worthy of the celebration. Well done, Jack. You're off to a winner. Um, yeah, it was it was a weird car. That Take the SL, a bit of a boulevardy cruiser. Take the folding hardtop roof out, but a f- fixed roof on, 
And then, yeah, wheel arches that, you know, like a park bench. Outrageous. Did drive one once. It was rubbish. Absolutely dreadful. Right. Terrible ride. Awful gearbox. Couldn't handle the power. But, yeah, worth it just to park it in your garage and look at it, I think. I think it's one of the blackest black series in kind of mentality. And yeah, one it's of the originals. Oh, yeah. yeah, super hardcore. But the, the ride was, I think when it was featured on the telly show, they even mentioned that the ride was just, it does not have suspension. It's a fantastic piece of advice because I love that car. I've seen a few of them around. I just think, as you say, it looks fantastic. If I ever get the opportunity to drive one, I'm just going to say no. Don't ruin it. Yeah, don't meet your heroes, just admire their arches. No, so I'll that is one go. point to Jack. I've never driven one. I really want to go, so I'll take your, your opportunity, Jack. Okay, from there, <clears throat> well, wide arches... Motorsport, anything that's from a motorsport background has got to have a slightly wider arch to fill a wider tyre or width. So I'm going to go slightly oddball. I'm going to go a Mitsubishi Pajero Evo. Ooh, I know what you mean. I know that sort of short, truncated, kind of crossover-y thing. Did they just the bolted massive bigger arches onto it. It was amazing. There's a I don't wide even arch. need to scroll down because I know that's not on the list. That's what? an incorrect oh. answer. Even. But here we go. The controversy's immediately begun, hasn't it? Because that is a car that, yeah, has a fine set of wheel arches from memory and uh, your motorsport pedigree, and I failed to include it. Technically, it should be extra points for having big arches on a three-door SUV, but um, it's not on the list, right? What can we do? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, this isn't a democracy, so it's over to Jack's guess. Um, so I, I'm going to... I bet that you're going to say, oh, no, this isn't like an official road car. It's a modified road car. But there is a company that is famous for whacking silly arches on everything right up to Lamborghini Aventador's, uh, and that's Liberty Walk. So anything from Liberty Walk... Anything from Liberty Walk, the Japanese tuner, incorrect answer. <laughs> Didn't put them on the list. For what you said, we're talking about <laughs> wide body, big wheel arches on factory cars. And yeah, Liberty Walk just, well, annoy the purists, don't they, by getting their rivet gun out and stapling flat pack furniture, it seems. Fine to the side craftsmanship. Of a 458. I, I mean, they do look, if you've ever wanted to see, you know those sort of cartoon cars we've used to have as posters, the sort of slammed. Squashed and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Someone's just gone, let's build those yeah, yeah. and charge a fortune for them. But um, yeah, outrageous as they are, that is not on the top nine. So it remains 1-0 to Jack. Rowan, can you Well, knowing it that, there's got to be a, a road car from it. And this is going to be a slight um, brag, humble brag. I spent the end of last week driving the new Porsche Sport Classic, which is a rear-wheel drive. Yeah, very good. Well, not allowed to say what it's like. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's um, very good or very bad. Uh, I can't it's say. Very, Porsche lawyers it's very... beating down the door here. <laughs> but uh, that is based on a turbo's body. And any Porsche turbo, I think, has a more accentuated and lovely arch to it. But I'm going to go, yeah, a 992 Turbo S. Because it sat, it was a normal car, and you know, for those sport classics, the original one, they took the 4S wide body and put it on a narrow car, wider, bigger arches. Yeah. I'm gonna go with 911 it's, Turbo. It's all, it's all good arguments. It's all, it's all strong cases. It's not on the list. Oh, not on the list. <laughs> because the thing is, with that, is a 911 is already a, a sports car or a sport, a super sports car, whatever you want to classify. When I was creating this, I was thinking of you know, sort of more staid kind of normal cars. An SL that Jack guessed earlier, that's just a golfer's car. You'd never think that they'd put super wide motorsporty style tracks on that. Whereas a 911 is a proper sports car. So I don't know, maybe this is a clue, but try and think of stuff that started out life a little bit more normal before it got its big boy arches. What's wrong with a golfer's car? 
I mean, I'm sure it's... A, <laughs> who said it was a fine walk spoiled? Was it Winston Churchill? I don't know. <laughs> I see that as a positive. Anyway, uh, all right. So uh, thank you for clarifying as we come into our final guess each. Uh, so you can move out of sight get the rules here. nice and clear from the outset. Also that you're one up and I've got nothing on the yeah. card, even though I have two great uh, chances. All right, but... so I'm going to... Uh, Lancia Delta Integrale. So, because there's a sort of Bogo version and this is the... That is, he says, looking Rally down. bread. A correct answer, number four on the list, the Delta Integrale. He yeah. looks at the list, There we I'm go, sure. an, an Italian sort of, you know, pretty nondescript hatchback. But when they did the Integrale, that, you know, one of the classic sort of, you know, ended up being a Group B legend. But yeah, had these just big boxy wheel arches. I've got a photo of one I could just see here. And it just, yeah, it just, they didn't even bother to try and finesse the arches into the rest of the bodywork to make it look in. cohesive. Yeah, it just looks like scaffolding that's been put on the outside of a castle. Just stick them on there, put the wheels on, put it on sale. That's a great wheel arch, right? Okay, um, right. Uh, not, uh, Two not points to point to out the obvious, uh, it, it is now impossible for you to win, Rowan, but for... for a consolation a point. A consolation point. Quite right. Okay, taking everything that you've said, normal car has to be humdrum. What about a Ford Racing Puma? Which was the most humdrum of humdrum Fords, and then they just put How whacking... Well, the Puma, a fine car, I having owned one. Yeah, it's a... F- oh. But the racing Puma... Trying to yeah. pump up the prices. Exactly, but the track width's on that, and then they basically just got some bodywork and stretched it. They got four people in Dagenham just a great to stretch shout, it over to it. Bigger it does arches. tickle your boxes. It's absolutely up my street. I think I've mentioned on the pod before what a soft spot I have for the racing Puma, one of the finest-looking cars of all time. Um, I don't know if we've ever had a whitewash on the mm. top nine... But it's not on the list. It's not a correct answer, right? I'm sorry. Huge win. Struck out. Huge win. I've kept a clean sheet there. Yeah, that is nil point for Rowan. So doing worse than Britain currently does in Eurovision there. Sorry, mate. Weirdly, Rowan seems to do better when the the, uh, the topics are sort of more obscure, a little bit more challenging. Mm. Um, this one was meant to be my specialist subject. I'm never going to mastermind if this is the yeah. case. Yeah, can we can we do the obvious ones from now forward? It was silly yeah, wins. red cars. It's going to be, yeah, it's <laughs> red cars next week. Stay tuned, everyone. All right, that was great fun. Yeah, cheers, Ollie. Well, for the rest of the uh, the list of the, the cars, there are many that aren't on it, as I've uh, already realised. But for the full list of Ollie Q's top nine and top gears, head to topgear.com and check out the magazine. Maybe we'll do a top 99 one day. Well, when we have lots of time for the extended edition. Anyway, see you next month, Ollie. Thanks, all. Cheers. All right, that's probably more than enough from us for one day. But before you go, make sure you check out topgear.com for all your car news and reviews needs. And we've got an email address, Ro. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's big Check big us news. out. Yeah, we're moving with the times. What can I say? It's podcast at bbctopgearmagazine.com. Please do write in to us. We'd love to hear from you. We're pretty new to this podcast game, so any conversation we can get going is good. Yeah, and as we are new, if you could leave us a review... Five stars, please. But there are one to five, so pick your favourite one. The more, the better. Uh, (laughs) But then get in touch with us. But also remember, we have the YouTube channel where there's a lot of videos to go with the features we've talked about, plus more. And then there's Instagram, Facebook. But this feed audio feed is filling up with other stuff. What else have we got coming up, Jack? Yeah, so you'll notice, because you're obviously all keen uh, listeners to the Top Gear magazine podcast in your feed that you've got these big monthly pods that we're dropping. But in between them, there's smaller, shorter, more snackable content um, like 
uh, conversations with Chris Harris, 10, 15 minutes with Chris on a variety of subjects. And we're going to be dropping a load more bonus content, interviews, other bits and bobs in there too, to make sure you've got plenty to be getting on. Yeah, your ears are going to be full. Let's just say that. Oh, and do you know what else they can do? What can they do? They can buy a magazine. Ooh, the papery one. That's right. The papery, papery magazine. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you next month. <laughs>